In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, we are reminded that the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And I find few statements that typify that more than the ditty. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is absolutely ludicrous. My skin, my bruises will heal a lot faster than the tears and the penetrations of my heart. Our words go places that stones, sticks can never go. Nothing hurts like the disrespect of those around us, be it in action or be it in word. Whatever form it comes in, it hurts. I believe it's worse than a physical beating. It's worse than an illness. Because they will either be cured or eventually go away. But disrespect, evil speaking, slander, linger, linger, linger. Forgiven, hopefully, but seldom forgotten. And it's especially painful when it comes from those that we are or hoped we were close to. The military has a term, friendly fire. All death is sad in war, but death that comes from friendly fire carries a spatial sadness, a spatial tragedy. It carries with us an, with it a a needlessness, an unnecessariness. Someone has said the church is one of those armies that sometimes shoots its own wounded. We are told in Acts chapter 20 verse 29 when Paul met with the elders at Ephesus to beware of grievous wolves that come in from the outside. But we expect wolves to destroy lambs. But when lambs destroy lambs, it is monstrous. And when that occurs, the weapons of choice are often words or actions that impart disrespect. In James chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Three times in that passage I read to you, we have the words brother or brethren. Evil speaking there carries the idea of to speak untruths, to backbite, to talk behind the back. Talk when somebody is, shall we say, down and out. The command that we find there in James chapter 4 verse 11 is a culmination of the warning spoken of in the first two verses of that chapter where it talks about where come wars and fightings among you? Come they not from the evil desires of your own heart? Evil speakings, as James refers to it, is a, a false or malicious utterance uttered in a tendency to injure 
the reputation of another by lessening them in the esteem of others. And that brings us to our topic. When you meet a Shimei. Mike, as he was announcing this, I think he used the phrase, when you are a Shimei. And we're going to deal with both aspects, because I think sometimes we meet a Shimei, and sometimes we are a Shimei. Shimei is a frequent name found in the Old Testament. I found at least 12 different people named Shimei. Most of them are simply in passing. What personality trait comes to your mind when I say Thomas? Maybe doubt. If I say Jezebel, well, maybe murderer or manipulator. When I say Peter, well, that depends on whether we're pre-Pentecost or post-Pentecost. You might say impulsive, you might say a leader. But what trait comes to mind when I say Shimei? Well, I hope when we leave the service, each of us have a clear remembrance of, number one, his name, number two, his trait, and number three, the lesson we should learn from him. Because Shimei suffered from a spiritual illness that unfortunately infects both Christians and non-Christians, and it can destroy the very spiritual fiber of the strongest man or woman of faith, the best of relationships, or the best of congregations. Possibly it can even cause the candlestick to be removed. The story of Shimei that we're talking about really is a three-act drama. Act 1 takes place in 2 Samuel chapter 16, which will be the one we will deal with the most. It's his offense. The kicking of King David when King David was down. Act 2 is 2 Samuel chapter 14, where after Absalom had died, David is returning to Jerusalem, and Shimei comes in a groveling approach to try to garner King David's goodness. And Act 3 takes place in 1 Kings chapter 2, when Shimei meets his end. In a rather interesting way. But his illness was kicking the king of Israel when he was down. His illness was, his sin was, disrespect. I am going to be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 16 beginning with verse 5. You can listen. You can follow. But I want us to look at this story not only as it occurs 3,000 years ago, but also as it presents an opportunity for us to learn ourselves. It is very likely there are those here today who have had or are throwing stones at other people. More tragic, sometimes true, we are the stone throwers ourselves. Maybe somebody is after you. Something in their heart they have against you. Maybe they're beating you when you're down. What's the best way to handle 
those situations? What's the best way to handle people like that? Well, as we look at this story, it may take an adjustment on many of our parts because that's probably not the way we were raised. Certainly not our natural instinct. may not be what those around you encourage you to do. But it's been said several times this weekend, that's not important. What is important is what the Lord says that we should do. One of the amazing things about the Lord is He knows each of us better than anybody else and He still loves us. Oftentimes in our relationships, the better we get to know each other, sometimes the less we like each other. We're like the porcupines. The closer we get, the more we stick each other. That's not always true. But I'd like to thank the Lord as I enter into this lesson for not writing many of us off and for not throwing stones at us. The greatest pain is often from those who are closest to us. Yes, we need to be a alert to grievous wolves. But it's often our families. It's often our brothers and sisters in the Christ, in Christ that sometimes injure our, our emotions. God has made us for relationships. That's a wonderful thing. But it creates a high degree of vulnerability on each one of our parts. If I didn't love anybody... I would be much less vulnerable to hurt. John talked about marriage. If I didn't love my wife and she left, it wouldn't hurt. It's the fact that I do that would cause the hurt. Paul was hurt by the Corinthians that he had spent so much time with. F.B. Meyer writes, The bitterest of all is to know that suffering need not have been that it has resulted from indiscretions and inconsistencies on our part. That is that, that it is the harvest of one's own sowing. That the culture that feels, feeds on the vitals is a nestling of one's own rearing. End quote. Sometimes when stones are thrown at us, uh, it is of our own making. I'm not saying the person should throw them, but Maybe we deserve them. David was not a particularly good father. He had a son that wanted to kill him. There was rape amongst his children. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. With that, I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 16 and read verses 5 through about 14. But let me set the context of this. Chapter 12, David has been rebuked by Nathan because of his adultery with Bathsheba and his murdering of her husband. His son Absalom, a very ambitious young man apparently, strove to take the throne away from David. Absalom was a politician. He was a smoozer. He was a baby kisser. Whatever. It says he would sit at the gate and 
caused people to admire him, to win over their favor. All this led to, or was was fed by Absalom's wanting to take over the throne. It got so bad that David had to flee Jerusalem for his own life. David was still king, but he had to flee. And that's the setting that we find here now in 2 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse 5. And when King David came to Barim, behold, there came a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, and he came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said, Shimei, when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. This is what he's calling David. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. He's blaming David for Saul's downfall. Now, Shimei was a kinsman of Saul. He's blaming David for that. The Lord hath delivered your kingdom unto Absalom, your son. And behold, you are taken in your own mischief because you are a bloody man. Then said Abishah, the son of Zerah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse the king? Let me go over, I pray, and take off his head. He wanted to defend the king. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said it to him, Curse David. Why shall then, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? David said, This man may be cursing me because the Lord has indicated I deserve it. The setting we have here is a little, I'm going to call him a pipsqueak of a man, throwing rocks and cursing the king that God had anointed over Israel as he departs from Jerusalem. And David had the right because you don't do that to the king, to have Shimei put to death. David, in one of his better moments, I believe, says, don't separate this man's head from his body. Don't kill it. Don't kill it. That's Act 1. We'll come back to that. In Act 2, which is Second. Samuel chapter 19, Absalom has died. You remember the story of him getting caught in the thicket with his long hair? He's dead, so he's off off the stage. And David is returning to Jerusalem. And here comes Shimei again, trying to now coddle up the man he cursed and threw rocks at. And David again spares his life. Act 3, which I'm not going to turn to, is in 2 Kings, pardon me, 1 Kings chapter 2. David is now departing. He tells Solomon to take care of Shimei. He doesn't say kill Shimei because he's already told Shimei that he'll spare his life. So Solomon inflicts a punishment upon Shimei that you're under city arrest. You can't leave Jerusalem. As long as you don't leave Jerusalem, you'll be fine. You leave Jerusalem, then we will kill you. Shimei has two servants that leave Jerusalem. He 
ill-advisedly goes outside of the city limits to chase him down, and he is killed. But he is not killed for what we found him doing in 2 Samuel chapter 16. Now, the accusations that Shimei made against David were false. It was not David's fault that Saul lost his kingdom, was it? We know that that was not the case. Saul lost his kingdom on his own. But Shimei finds David at a very depressed state, fleeing the palace of Jerusalem, fleeing because your son is behind a plot to take over the kingdom and kill you. He had been told by Nathan in 2 Samuel 12 that your wives will be taken advantage of in public, and Solomon did that. He had sex with the concubines in public view. Maybe the ultimate of humiliation in that day and age. It had been told that your family will turn against you. And it's being played out here in 2 Samuel chapter 16. And David is fleeing. Ever felt like that? Well, none of us are kings. None of us are going to have to flee Jerusalem for our lives. But ever felt beset upon by false accusations? Ever felt beset upon by even true accusations that are hurled against you in an unloving way? The Living Bible, which is really not a translation, of course, says, Shimei says, get out of here, you murderer. The Lord is paying you back. You stole his throne. All of those were lies. Shimei was your basic reprobate. And yet King David, in one of his better moments, shows mercy and compassion at a moment of extreme depression and humiliation. Probably one of the hardest times for us to show love and mercy is when we are down and out emotionally, down and out maybe spiritually, down and out mentally. And Abishai says to David, my my paraphrase, if you'll allow it, you don't have to take it. Let me take care of it. We'll end this right now. We'll sever his head from his body. Don't let him walk all over you. David doesn't fall for that. David says, no, you just let him alone. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, he said a lot of things. He said, there are times when you simply need to turn the other cheek. Times when we just simply need to take the, th- the cursing, the insults, the stones that come our way, as Jesus has admonished us. 
He said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to be a light unto the world. I think there are few times that are more effective in showing the world how we are different from them than how we handle abuse, how we handle slanders, how we handle unfair criticism, how we handle stones being thrown at us. David was innocent of the particular accusations that Shimei sent his way. You and I may or may not be. But David never got offended by it. And he never took it personally. You do not know how much easier it is for me to say this is what we ought to do than it is for me to do it. But that doesn't keep it from being right. Some of us are so sensitive, so delicate, that at the slightest little pinprick, we tube out or run for cover. Or flash our defenses. I think there's a rather simple cure for this. But as it's been said, it's easier to understand than it is to apply. Too often we have soft skin and a thick heart. What God calls us to have is a soft heart and thick skin. I mean really thick skin. Sometimes rhinosaurus type skin. So we can be punched around and keep coming back. Maybe as a little child you had, I don't even know if they make these anymore, but they were these little air air inflated punching bags that had a weight at the bottom and you could hit it and it would pop right back up. And you could hit it and it would pop right back up. Oh, I wish that was me. Just pop right back up. Whatever it takes. Effective Christians are able to overlook all kinds of comments and actions that other people aren't able to. That's part of what's to make us different. When you walk through thorns, you need to wear heavy boots. You don't walk through thorns barefooted. Well, you can, but you're going to pay the price. We have a little acreage at our home, and oh, once a year, Donna and I walk to the back of it just to make sure it's still there. And the alfalfa or fescue had grown probably about a foot or so, and I said, well, let's walk back there. Didn't think anything about it. I had... Semi boots on, and I'm just trooting along. I look back there, and she's she's lagging, and she's lagging. Pretty soon, I'm thinking, am I going to have to carry her? She had her little flimsy tennis shoes on, and stickers were just eating her up. I'm not tougher than she is. I just had boots on, and she didn't. If you're going to deal with people, sometimes you need to have boots. 
There's a passage in Ephesians 6.15 that I had never quite thought of it in this way. It talks about having our feet shod. And that has to do with being prepared with the gospel. But I think I wonder if maybe part of that is having our feet shod so that things that would otherwise distract, hurt us, don't. That thicker skin. If you're going to be involved in the Lord's work, and I hope that applies to everybody here this afternoon, we've got to get that lesson learned. Get a real armor plate around us. Or we will be doomed to sensitivity that will probably cause us to fail. Or not try. It's not that we want a thickness toward God, no. Sometimes we have to have a thickness toward the Shimeites. But we also have to remember that we're not always the one being beset by stones and curses. Sometimes we're the ones that throw the stones. Maybe we don't mean to. Maybe we do mean to. In 2 Samuel 19, which is Act 2, and I'm not going to take the time to turn and read that, but it's it's Shimei coming back and I'm going to say kind of groveling at the feet of David to get back in his good graces because he knows he's he blew it in chapter 16. But Shimei, to his credit, does utter three of the absolute hardest words for any man or woman to utter. In verse 20 of 2 Samuel 19, Shimei says, I have sinned. What a relieving set of words, but such a hard set of words for us to utter. Now that may have really rang a bell with David. The scripture doesn't tell us. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, when Nathan came to David, David said, I have sinned. We do need to remember we are not always in the shoes of David. Sometimes we are in the shoes of Shimei. We picture Shimei as a distant character of the Old Testament. But there are parts of Shimei in every single one of us. Part of our flesh. Sometimes we've done wrong. Sometimes we've said or done wrong. And we know somebody's been hurt by it. I believe when that occurs, the ball is in our court to correct it. The scripture says, if you have ought against your brother, I'm back in Matthew 5, he says, you go and do everything you can to fix it. It's your serve. It's your move. Do it. It's our responsibility to come to terms with it. George Bernard Shaw once said, The greatest sin toward your fellow man is not to hate him, but to be indifferent to him. Because that's an essence of inhumanity. David gives us an excellent example of how to handle 
when rocks or stones are being thrown at us. He never got offended. He did not take it personally. He had his vertical focus. It never got out of whack. He was always focused on God. And he was very, very aware, I believe, of his own failures. You know who makes good forgivers? The the, the forgiven. The truly forgiven make good forgivers. Just focus back for a moment on a time you needed forgiveness. And you didn't feel there was any relief inside. What a horrible feeling that was. Before I leave Shimei, Shimei was, shall I say, piling on. Rock after rock. Disrespectful comment after disrespectful comment. He was piling it on. In 2 Samuel 16. You know, criticism for some is addictive. It's a snowball. It grows and it attracts other people. And we need to stay away from that. Maybe sometime you've been upset by the song service. Maybe it wasn't a particularly good song service, at least to man's ear. And somebody hears that you're a little upset with the song service, and they'll say, well, you know, I didn't think it was that good either. And then here comes somebody else, they hear you. Well, I didn't think it was that good. Pretty soon we've got a snowball here. Maybe the sermon wasn't up to your liking. Not not undoctrinal, it just, you didn't find it overly edifying. Somebody or your children hear you expressing that. It can grow. It can be about our leadership. I know this can't happen because it would be unbiblical, but I've often thought everybody ought to be an elder for one month. It would solve a lot of... Well, it would just solve a lot. I know it can't happen. It's unscriptural. But I have... Well, I won't say I've dreamt of it, but I've, well. (laughs) Some of you might remember when the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was having his uh, Senate confirmation hearings. And he was accused of a particular misappropriate action. I have no idea whether he did or he didn't. Usually the truth is somewhere between the he said, she said. That's not my point. But there was a term I remember when this occurred that he used. He said, what we are having now is a high-tech lynching. I've always remembered that. Well, I don't think we have high-tech lynchings one with another, but we may have some low-life lynchings. Shimei was a low-life lyncher. And sometimes we're worse than Shimei. At least Shimei did it to David's face. He didn't do it behind his back. He may have wished later he did, but he didn't do it behind his back. 
Doesn't the scripture say a little leaven leavens the whole lump? I think that's true of sometimes criticism. I think it is sometimes true of disrespect. David, at least at that moment, had a soft heart and thick skin. A special sense of balance that just keeps give, kept bringing him back. I'd like to look at one more passage before I close. And that does not mean reach for your psalm books. In Philippians chapter 4, I want to read the first three verses. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and Sintisiki that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat you also, true fellow servants, help those women which labor with me in the gospel. Here we have, very familiar to almost all of you as you've studied the book of Philippians, apparently a conflict in the church. It was two women. That's irrelevant to my point. It could have been two men. It could have been a man and a woman. It's it's not a gender issue in, in my book. But Paul sees some strife, some backbiting maybe, a lack of harmony at least at the church of Philippi. And he says, In verse 2, I implore you, I beseech you in the King James. That comes from the Greek word parakaleo. It's it's the similar word to that we use for comforter, the Holy Spirit. This is an intensity on Paul's part. To the brethren at Philippi, this should not be. And he lays it right on the feet, not just of these two women to clear it up. He lays it on the feet of the congregation in verse 3. I entreat you also, my yoke fellow, help these women. Sure, he's scolding these two for whatever. But he's saying the congregation has a responsibility to help. Because harmony is the key to spiritual stability. Now, harmony cannot be at the sake of doctrinal compromise. But within doctrinal harmony, there is stability. People holding other people up. David had people around him trying to hold him up when Shimei was throwing rocks and cursing. When that happens in our assemblies, we need to hold one other up. You can only throw rocks so often before things begin to crack and break, be they in our relationships, in our families, or in our congregations. In verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. A tremendous, tremendous resolution of conflicts as we rejoice in the Lord. I find it interesting that this particular chapter, and I understand the chapter breaks are not inspired. They're, they're there to help us find our way through the scriptures. But in verse 1, it talks about my brethren, my joy, 
stand fast in the Lord. Before you can heal these things that he's going to talk about in verses 2, 3, and 4, you've got to stand fast in the Lord because that is our foundation. That's all we know about these two women. I don't know how it ended. I know it bothered Paul to the extent he not only chastised the women, but he, he asked the congregation to do everything they could to resolve this conflict. What did Jesus say in John thirteen thirty five? For by this shall all know that you are my disciples. And most of you can finish it, can't you? If you have love one for another. David wrote a psalm as he was fleeing from Absalom. Sometime maybe in 2 Samuel 16. I don't know. I'm going to close by reading you the psalm that David wrote on the occasion of him fleeing for his life from his son. It's the third psalm. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. He's just fooling himself. God's not going to help him. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Who has sustained him? The Lord. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Save me, O oh my God, for you have struck all my enemies, enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. That sustained David as he fled Jerusalem. And I believe those sentiments are there to sustain us. I believe those sentiments are there to warn us not to be the Shimei. Shimei is one of those characters in the Bible that we don't think much about. Maybe you had never really thought about him. Maybe you didn't even know who he was. I don't know. Some of you did. Some of you didn't. That's the reality. But he was a man who chose to beat on another person when he was down and out. Let that never be us. And let us never be that person. But when those things come our way, let us have the wisdom of King David. Let us have a softer heart and thicker skin. We're going to close our thoughts this afternoon and extend the gospel invitation. When you meet a Shimei, Turn to 2 Samuel 16 and read. If you find yourself starting to act like a Shimei, turn yourself to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning.
If we can help anybody in any way, we've set some time aside, but any time is the right time to accept the Lord. But if we can help you in any way, we invite you to come and stand as Alan leads us in our final song.